Greetings, ghosts and ghouls. We hope to find you well and in good spirits in whatever crypt or coffin you're currently tuning in from. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode. Engineer and co-host Daniel certainly had a great time editing it. Isn't that right, Daniel? Oh yeah, definitely a great time. And uh, today we're coming right back at you with yet another uh, standalone episode. We might extend it. Still don't know. Still iffy about that. Um, we have a little shindig going on later tonight. The Crypt Kicker 5 are about to arrive. Uh, the Transylvania twist is in full swing. And of course, the streetlights are on. So I think it's a good idea to get this show started. What say you, Daniel? Yeah, I uh, 100% agree. Let's go. All right. So today, uh, departure from last week's episode, we, we were just kind of thinking um, about how they say that every place a man visits leaves its mark on him. But at the same time, we believe that sometimes, even long after death, <clears throat> the things that someone did in life can likewise leave their mark on a place. Um, but when pain and violence is involved, the word scar might very well be uh, a more appropriate term. So today we're bringing you the stories of some of the world's most haunted places and examining what it was exactly that left these supernatural quote unquote scars on them. Now, I enjoyed reporting on location so much last time that today I'm going to do it again, and I'm currently joining you from our Pennsylvania affiliate, Cemetery Ridge Radio, to bring you the first spot on our list of haunted places. Um, That, of course, is the site of America's single bloodiest battle, and perhaps the largest battle ever fought in the Western Hemisphere. I'm referring to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the sleepy little, little town, which on the morning of July 1st, 1863, erupted into violence, such as no American before had ever witnessed. For three consecutive days, the Army of the Potomac and the Army of Northern Virginia, under the commands of General Louis Armstead and Robert E. Lee, respectively, clashed along a narrow front in a climactic encounter that would cost the two forces 52,000 men in casualties. That so much death and suffering was concentrated into such a small area and over such a short span of time, makes it logical that Gettysburg would remain up until the present day one of the nation's most haunted locations. Now before we go into the minutiae of some of the individual encounters and phenomena that witnesses have reported, we're going to take just a second to go over um, a concept known as the stone tape theory, uh, something that we actually touched upon in our previous episode. Uh, So in a nutshell, the stone tape theory is a hypothesis proposed by several scientists and parapsychologists that claims that hauntings are akin to tape recordings, uh, that is to say, not individual self-aware consciousness, but rather impressions left on objects or places that are periodically, quote-unquote, replayed under the right conditions. Yeah, I mean, if I could be real with you, we did talk about that, and I I think that's real, if I could be, like, honest, you know? Because even the fact that, like, an echo in time could, like, be placed in, like, certain places, especially for war... Because, like, you know, in war, like, a lot of shit happens there. And I'm pretty sure a lot of, like, either revenge for just people who just possibly just don't, don't think their time, you know, is to, like, leave yet. Right. I think the intensity of the emotions and just um, just how raw everything is and how fucking traumatic I'm sure it is um, means that these places are left emotionally charged and that um, these events are kind of projected throughout time and appear to repeat themselves uh, due to the residual energy that was left over after the event actually took place. Um, So this hypothesis, it wasn't just espoused by, you know, fucking quacks. It was actually contemplated first by Cambridge polymath Charles Babbage, father of the computer and predecessor to such illustrious figures as uh, Alan Turing. 
Now, Babbage believed Babbage believed that words themselves left impressions in the air long after they were uttered, and consequently, that other human thoughts and emotions could be stored by the environment. Um, so I took the time to make this little digression because I personally believe that the kinds of hauntings that take place in Gettysburg are explained by this purported phenomena, as they are usually set to repeat themselves and to take place at regular intervals, including anniversaries of the battle. Now, history... Oh, wait a minute. Give me a quick second. So you're telling me that in the anniversary of the battles, this is when possibly it is like the most haunted. Exactly. So there's a spike in activity every July 1st to 3rd, which is when uh, the battle took place. That's when most of the sightings occur. And that's when people usually see some of the the more intense things like whole formations of spectral soldiers crossing the field and, you know, things of that sort. Dear God. So uh, we're not going to, right? Maybe. Maybe we've got like a big enough group. If uh, I, I'd be down, but if we can scrounge the money together, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to our audience. If we could scrounge the money together, I've always wanted to visit um, the National Park in Gettysburg and just, you know, stroll down, see if we see some some spooky ghosts. Um. Now, history aficionados will know that Gettysburg is famous for having a bunch of uh, notable kind of mini battle type encounters that were themselves bloody enough and consequential enough to the overall course of what happened that they're remembered in their own right. Um, The Wheat Field, Devil's Den, the Peach Orchard, Cemetery Ridge, Little Round Top, to name just a few. So not only was Gettysburg bloody, but each of its constituent parts were amazingly violent and bloody in and of themselves. So all these spots are reported by visitors as being the sites of the most notable and memorable sightings. Um, so at Little Round Top, for instance, uh, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain uh, heroically led the 20th Maine in a desperate bayonet charge against attacking Confederate forces at the time of the battle. Now the thing about bayonet charges is that even at this time in history, the 1860s, Hand-to-hand fighting is exceptionally rare, and it was exceedingly uncommon for two organized bodies of soldiers to actually close with each other in hand-to-hand combat with bayonets. This uh, this little mini battle was one of the notable exceptions. So visitors to the National Park uh, frequently report hearing the shrill moans and death cries of Confederate rebels seemingly impaled once again by the New England boys' muskets, some 160 years after their actual deaths took place. Uh, The cries of their attackers are likewise said to be heard and are said to be deafening as though they were right in your ear and as though hundreds of men were actually right in that moment charging down uh, at a sprint and yelling. Dude, I can just imagine that. Imagine you're like here visiting like at the most haunted hour, which is of course the anniversary. You're just like walking along like, I don't know, like a hilltop probably. And like in a far distance, you just see something like just charging at you. And and the thing is, you're probably some fucking goofy tourist with a fanny pack, just like a stupid history buff. Like, oh, I'm going to take my wife and kids out for a stroll. Yeah, that's very true. Like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I mean, even though the fact that we like I know about this, because, of course, you're telling us a story about it and like, you know, the science behind not science, but, you know, the whole thing behind it. Like, I think I would still be scared if I saw that like in real life. No, yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, as I was doing the research, I stumbled upon some of the more recent like uh, ghost tours and just kind of, you know, cringy newer shit where it's obviously just a money grab. Yeah. But uh, regardless of that, of it being super commercialized nowadays, there are still a bunch of um, firsthand accounts that, you know, sound amazingly genuine. Whatever these people saw or heard or smelled in some instances, um, they, they actually believe they did. 
Um, so at Gettysburg College, for instance, near the site of the battle, people claim to have like whole audiovisual hallucinations, kind of like um, they were transported back in time in a time machine. Uh, they report smelling the acrid smoke of musket and cannon fire, uh, seeing soldiers move past them to and fro as if um, they themselves were not there, or perhaps more accurately, uh, not at all aware because they're not really consciousnesses or spirits, but they're just these trapped images uh, playing in a perpetual loop, you know? And uh, similar reports have been made concerning what appear to be union medics and orderlies, just kind of people see them hurrying about the campus and in the school's basement, rushing to attend wounded and dying soldiers again, just as they did 106 years ago. And the, the creepy thing is that people report hearing the sounds of like hacksaw amputations. Oh, dear so God. Those old, yeah, fucking Civil War medicine. Just when everything and anything under the sun fucking was dealt with with an amputation people say they hear the hacksaws you know biting into the bone and of course the the accompanying shrieks and moans from from the patients so again a violent and traumatic episode of history just kind of caught forever in time and repeating itself because of of the residual energy stored there you know you know, actually, um, I'm actually kind of curious, and I don't know if you have the answer to this question, but, you know, of course, you're saying that people have heard and, like, seen and, like, hallucinated, but, like, let's say if they were in that situation where, like, let's say that they saw a spirit kind of, like, you know, running towards them with a, um, what's that gun called? The one with the uh, long, uh, like, knife or blade on top of it? Uh, so, they they had muskets. They had rifled muskets at yeah. this point, and the... The blade at the end's a bayonet. So there so, you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's say that they see a, a soldier running towards them with a bayonet, and it comes to the point where, like, you know, the person knows that they're gonna get stabbed. Like, of course they're not gonna die, but like, do you think they'll be able to like feel that, you know, that like imprint, in a sense? That's that's an interesting question. I, I get what you're saying, where like they can't physically interact with you, and in, in the sense that they can't like harm you. But maybe just as with the other things, like if you can hear things and you can see things and smell things, then why wouldn't the other senses be involved? Like, why wouldn't you like we've all had fucking dreams where you get stabbed and you feel it. Yeah. So I think that it's very likely that there would be an encounter where a, the ghost of a Confederate soldier is rushing at you and you actually feel the knife wound that maybe uh, a Union boy from New York felt as he was dying. And maybe that impression, the pain, the physical pain is also trapped in time. People could also hear it. I didn't come across those stories, but that's that's a very interesting point. Okay, thank you. Uh, you're you're welcome. Now, um, are we good to keep going? Uh, a, a few more, a few more of these incidents, because there's there's a there's a fuck ton of people. Yeah, of course. If we could do maybe a few more, because uh, like I said, like all these little mini battles, all these incidents have uh, stories that go along with them. That's how uh, that's how traumatic they were. The one I wanted to pull up, if I can manage to find it. Da, 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 da. Um, sorry, bear with us, folks. Bear with us. You're fine. I'll, I'll cut it out until you find us. Okay, story. no. Here we go. Here we go, folks. No need to cut it out. Um, so this next one, um, Oak Ridge, um, was, again, back in the day, a seemingly ill-defended point on the Union's right flank. And that's where a brigade of North Carolinians, uh, 900 men out of a total complement of 1,500, was just fucking slaughtered uh, when federal troops opened fire from behind a lone sto low stone wall that had been concealing them. And in the span of just a few grisly minutes, uh, the whole affair was over and the brigade's commander, Alfred Iverson, had suffered a complete mental breakdown at the loss of over half of his men. 
days later when the battle was finally over and after days of just rotting in the harsh july sun and being gnawed on by scores of feral pigs that roamed civil war battlefields you know back in the countryside the rebels bodies were finally unceremoniously thrown into a mass grave uh later dubbed iverson's pit by the locals Later rains and soil erosion would reportedly expose an odd limb or two, just a hand sticking out, um, since the townsfolk had taken very little care when burying the Southerners and apparently had not dug deep enough. Oh, no. So, yeah. So visitors to the site regularly regularly report seeing strange lights akin to the bright muzzle flashes of Civil War era muskets, as well as surprise screams and cries for medical aid and water because, you know, like we kind of touched upon medical care especially under those conditions and especially back then before we knew about antiseptic aptis anti antiseptics yes things I don't things, <laughs> things of that sort anesthesia as well was just coming into its own it just care was terrible back then um and there's even reports not from this specific incident but i came across incidents from other battles in which the feral hogs that we just mentioned that kind of just roamed around the countryside they actually ate wounded soldiers alive. I knew you were going to say that. Since these proved to be too weak to resist or were otherwise incapacitated. Dear so God. So just these roving feral hogs um, would take the chance, because they're omnivores after all, would take the chance to feed on these defenseless humans that were just kind of left there in no man's land by both sides because things were still hot and things, you know, the situation was still evolving. So no one had time to send out stretcher bearers or medics to get these guys back. That's a way to go. That's is it a way to go? Getting done by a feral pig? I don't know if that's the way you know people want to go, but that's a way to go. But that's go. a metal. That is a metal way to go. And circle of circle of life. Uh, at the at the very least. Um. But yeah. Um. Seems like we have time for one more. One more. All right. So just an interest in the best interest of fairness and balance on the show. I know we talked about these things operating under the assumption that um, the ghosts adhere to the stone tape theory, that they're not consciousnesses, but they're, as you know, Daniel said, echoes through time, and that they're not really spirits so much as maybe memories or imprints. But there's a competing view that um, there might indeed be conscious, restless spirits at Gettysburg. And the reason why people say that is because um, I can think of seldom other, seldom other events in American history uh, where gross incompetence and stupidity was responsible for so much loss of life, and that goes for both federal and Confederate planners and commanders. Um, they were responsible in Gettysburg for some of the greatest military blunders um, to this very day. And um, the chief example that I could think of was Pickett's Charge. Um, that involved uh, General Lee, on General Lee's orders, uh, Pickett's division along with three, no, two other Divisional commanders, so all in total, some 30,000 men, um, were basically ordered to roll straight up the middle and attack the Union Center, despite the protests of countless advisors and sub-commanders. Um, by this time in the war, the aura of invincibility that the former West Point graduate and uh, Virginia aristocrat had cultivated over several successful campaigns pretty much convinced them that you know he was actually unbeatable. So Robert E. Lee, against the advice of uh, Longstreet, his right-hand man at that time, and several other um, divisional commanders, he said, fuck it, we're going to roll right up the middle. The Union center is weak there. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts, we're going to do it. Of those 30,000 men, there were roughly 50% casualty rates. Um, 
So yeah, 50% casualties, uh, that's high even by Civil War standards, and a large portion of those consisted of men killed in action, not just uh, wounded or captured. Um, so having said that, a lot of people nowadays uh, will argue that because it was such a stupid move and because it was owed to this one man's hubris, that it may very well be these restless spirits that are angry. Because that, of the guy who sent them to war. For, they died, one, for fucking the institution of slavery, mm -hmm. which fucking is evil. That's one. But two, they fell prey to the ambitions and the arrogance of an old man who had grown too big for his britches. Dear God. And basically didn't take the advice from anyone else and said, fucking, let's send these 30,000, you know, a whole generation of young Virginians off to their death for no fucking strategic reason. And so that's why people argue like, yeah, they might be echoes through time, but it might be these ghosts pissed the fuck off that they squandered their lives for, you know, no good reason. Just thrown away in a day's fighting. Yeah, maybe, freak. Because, I mean, at that point, that's all they really know, am I right? It's just that, like, you know, thing keep on, like, replaying for and them. Doing that especially, again and again, yeah, especially if they, like, regret it or, like, kind of, like, vengeful in a sense. So, I mean, I can only imagine how they feel. Right. Especially if they're, if they're kind of going back to what you said, if they're feeling the pain of getting shot or, you know, impaled by a bayonet every day or maybe every July 1st, they have to go through that experience of the suffering that they felt those 160 some odd years ago it's, yeah you know that's true but hey i mean good thing it isn't their anniversary right when is their anniversary exactly whose anniversary the gettysburg <laughs> july uh first to third that's when the battle was fought oh okay and for by sure. july yeah by july 4th the union victory was secured the confederates were in retreat and uh unconditional surrender grant had followed up with another win at vicksburg by that time the war was pretty much over it would take another couple of years to pacify the south but the north had basically won by that point well that's good to hear am i right <laughs> i mean <laughs> if you guys didn't know if you guys didn't know the union won then i don't know what to tell you but um that's the spookiest spot i could find in america the most incidents in one place but i think uh my good buddy over there has a story from across the pond from uh land of uh, kilts and bagpipes i believe if i'm if i'm not mistaken well, thank you so much for that smooth transition, Noah. And you are correct. I have uh, different locations of like, you know, spooky slash abandoned places I'm about to be, you know, talking about right now. And right now we're going to be going to Scotland to a famous Edinburgh castle. Have you heard of it before? Edinburgh castle. I've heard of the city. I know it's like one of the more trendy cosmopolitan spots in Scotland nowadays, but I don't. I haven't heard of this particular castle. Okay, then for sure. That's really nice to hear. So, we're going to begin by saying, first of all, that, of course, this castle was a fortress. It had a prison. And, of course, every castle, you know, has a dungeon. Am I right? Hey, hey I, know some, I know some houses that, you know, have dungeons. But uh, let's not go into that right at this moment. Okay, when, when fair enough. Judge. So, let me go ahead and tell you a quick story about how these inmates were trying to escape. And they're trying to escape via Boro. So, they're trying to, like, dig their way out. But the thing is, they didn't know that the castle was, uh, you know, surrounded by, like, water. And then from a great distance, you know, they kind of, you know, burrowed out. And unfortunately, since they didn't know, they ended up falling to their deaths on the spiky rocks in the bottom. Whoa. Okay, wait. Let me let me get a good mental image going just for my sake. So okay. there's a moat surrounding it. But so these guys, okay. So they dug a tunnel that led to, like, a cliff and they fell off? Yes. 
they they um failed successfully yeah that they is failed that task successfully yeah that's very true and a lot of inmates knew about that incident so they were just kind of like you know we have to be wary but they also felt kind of you know sad that their fellow inmates were not able to make it out so yeah this you know this castle has been active ever since the second of the you know jacob rising around 1745 until world war ii after that it became more of a historical site and just for people to go visit, you know, just for tours now. The creepiest thing, of course, is that the fact that people who are going on tours, like, are able to, you know, feel slash hear things. And especially one of them about, like, you know, you know how earlier I just mentioned about the uh, inmates who, like, you know, fell off the cliff and all that? Right, right. So pretty much visitors would kind of, like, get near the cliff. And then, like, they would even um, feel someone kind of, like, nudge at them. Kind of like if they want to be, like, thrown. And then, of course, uh, people... Or saying that, like, after that would happen, they would smell like a foul odor of some sort. Okay, that's interesting. So probably the smell emanating from the dungeons, kind of. And again, I'm assuming that this escape attempt happened in um, medieval times, so fucking hygiene back then. I'm I'm assuming if the average peasant's house smelled like complete dog shit, I can only imagine what the, you know, the dungeon where they kept the inmates must have been like. Okay. Yeah, that's very true. And there are spooky things about, uh, you know, this whole place. It's, uh, it's including the uh, the dungeon itself. So, of course, I believe in this tour, you're able to go into the dungeon. And there have been, you know, sightings of, like, floating orbs around the dungeon that visitors have said. Oh, interesting. Are there any theories as to what these orbs are? Like, any are there any famous figures that they think might be represented by the orbs or just run-of-the-mill uh, prisoners that they had locked up in the castle just prisoners that have locked up in the castle that you know fortunately did not make it out at all so they're trapped there and forced to spend all eternity that's got to be rough if you if, if you were like a criminal in the some odd 1300s or whenever this castle was active and now you're still a prisoner hundreds of years later and you're going to be there in limbo for the rest of eternity that's especially if you're in there for like a petty crime like you'd fucking didn't laugh at the town jester and now you're you know spending all eternity roaming edinburgh castle yeah that's yeah i can only imagine but there are also other stories as well apparently there's another story about this drummer boy who you know the drummer boy is headless and then people will be spotting him around like the 1650s just like you know roaming around and all that and then um soldiers even said that you know they would spot you know the headless drummer boy and then after they spotted him an attack would happen. So soldiers started to say that, you know, if you would see the drummer boy, then that means it was, you know, an attack was coming or attack was coming soon. So, okay. So kind of a, kind of a bad omen. Yeah, Uh, in a way. That's, that's interesting because soldiers throughout time seem to have these things where um, they get either premonitions or they get tipped off. Like I know just fucking, just uh, going, going on a quick tangent, like in World War One. Um, like there's a black dog that would roam the trenches on the allied lines, I think. And again, if you saw that black dog, it meant that you were going to get gassed or that the Germans were going to come over the top. So it's, that's interesting that fucking soldiers have these, you know, universal stories where you see some shit and it means that shit's about to go down. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know what they say, man. War never changes. Oh, but besides, but besides like that. Our, like our pans, like our pansy asses would know anything about that. Hopefully we'll never have to. 
Yeah, that's very true. Another thing about, you know, wars and just castles in general, they always have, like, you know, some sort of musical or, like, drummer boy. And here's another story about another musical boy, you know, who, of course, he's a ghost now, but he wasn't before. Besides the point, okay. they send this musical boy through, you know, a tiny opening under the castle because they, they found out that underneath the castle, there was a labyrinth. So under this labyrinth, the boy, you know, he went and then they told him, hey, once you're down there, we want you to keep on playing so we can we, we could hear you pretty much. But then all of a sudden, the boy stopped playing and they were never, ever, ever able to like, you know, get him back again. Like no one ever saw him. And then some visitors say that if you're like, you know, kind of near the castle where that boy went under, sometimes you could still hear the drummer boy playing. Wow. And and is that uh, labyrinth accessible nowadays? Is there anyone that's brave enough to maybe venture down there, maybe try to find this poor kid's bones? Or You know, if I could be honest with you, it did say tiny. So if you're, if you're tiny, then yeah, because don't forget, this was a drummer boy. So, you know, you're you're a grown-ass man. I don't think you could fit in a tiny hole, if I'm honest with you, Noe. Um, that, I, I feel attacked right now. I feel like I could fit into a lot of tiny I'm holes. calling I'm you muscular. You can't you're fit calling, in a tiny hole. The thing is, I'm not. So, But if I got, like, a small indentured servant child, a small child labor, if I, if I adopted a kid and I so chose to do so, I could send them down there and be like, hey, do you see the bones of the little drummer boy? That's an option for me. That's I mean, it maybe is, but um, from what the information I was getting this from like a magazine, it didn't say that, no, like they didn't ever said that he was ever found or any remains were found. Interesting. And what was the purpose of sending him down there? Aside Just to his- explore the labyrinth, because since I said it was a new thing, they wanted to explore it. And the only one that was able to fit was a musical drummer boy. So there were guys like, Back then, they were like me, with this morbid curiosity, but at the same time, they didn't have the balls to go themselves, and they sent a little kid. Well, I mean, they couldn't fit, but besides that, you are right. Stop making stop making excuses for these guys that sent a child down into a labyrinth. Okay, that's, that's fucking a child protective services case <laughs> waiting to happen. You're not wrong. Then. You're not wrong. Going back to the story, though, as recently of 2003, construction workers, you know, were f- restoring, you know, one of the buildings near the you know the castle because of course castles have different like departments around it but the thing is that they stopped because they were getting harassed by a ghost so you know they're kind of curious so they took a photo of where they were getting harassed and they noticed that there was a fuzzy blue orb around the area the area they were working as soon as they saw this they refused to like go in that place alone interesting now and then this is this is a, a common motif i guess where a building is disturbed or things are moved around and a spirit won't, you know, won't fancy that. They'll be like, hey, this is my spot. This is my place. And any kind of change in the usual dynamic will upset them. So, you know, I I've, I, I think we've all definitely heard this before where like uh, someone's doing like a remodel or they're excavating, they're building a new subway, whatever, and they disturb something that was previously there. And now you have a, a pissed off spirit. Do you know if they, by any chance, found any human remains down there? As so often happens, like in the like archaeological digs or stuff like that. Nothing. So nothing from what happened. I was reading, no, it did not say anything like that. If I could be honest with you, because I'm I'm pretty sure since like you know this place is open to the public, right? I'm pretty sure they just wouldn't leave any type of bones lying around. You know what I mean? You're not gonna see some skeletons like <laughs> jumping and dancing around anywhere. I, but regardless, they they disturb their place of rest. Like oh, yeah, even definitely. If physically, their body's not there. The maybe this is the spot where they died, or the spot that they inhabited in life, and you know, just just fucking with them, and they don't 
And I guess this goes back to the stone tape theory. Like, is this something that was always happening? Or is this a conscious spirit that's, you know, that's angry and can feel anger and it doesn't like being messed with? Or is this just a repeat occurrence that we have no real control over, but at the same time has no inherent desire to do us harm and to physically interact with us? It just kind of is what it is. It's a part of the environment. Well, I mean, you know, I am going to agree with you when you just say it is what it is, because, you know, in a sense, we do not know, you know. Of course, we're very curious, and I understand what you're saying, you know. Of course, I'm very curious, too. But the fact that, you know, they're still around here, I would definitely say there's probably some sort of, like, vengeful in a way. Because kind of like for the little boy one, it's like, they were going to, they told him to go explore down there. Him thinking, you know, I'm going to definitely make it out. But he didn't. Well, that was, his, that was his problem in making that assumption. Never go, never crawl into a tiny hole and assume that you're going to make it out, because the odds are you're not. Again, you're not going to, especially safe. if it's for a new like a new thing they're looking for because it was a new labyrinth so they wanted him to like go check it out that's that reminds me of a co-worker we have that we just sent to the fucking worst assignments and if, if there's if there's victor if you're listening fucking sometimes you just need a little drummer boy on your team to send down a deep dark hole and you know just see what they see it's an acceptable casualty we're sorry to, could, could you imagine that that was the kid's first day like he got drafted into the you know royal drummer boy corps and fucking his first assignment is crawling down that hole because wow life was rough back then i'm glad glad we live when we do yes that's very true but going back to the main topic um that story for the edinburgh castle is ending but right now i'm going to be taking to a very dark place under the city of lights which is go to france and the under that very dark place we're going to be talking about today is the catacombs of paris and i'm pretty sure you know about that one I've yes, I am familiar someone with them. I've seen a few videos. I saw that one super cheesy horror movie, but uh, fill fill us in, Daniel. Okay, I'm gonna have to because I'm already kind of running out of time, so I'm gonna try to be a little bit more quicker for this one. So of course, a lot of people already know that the catacombs stores around like six million bones. Why? Wait, what? People knew six million? Wait, you didn't know that? I didn't know that it was that many. How many people live in Paris? Fucking, like, what, 10 million? 20 million? Whoa, you didn't know, dude? Bro, the catacombs started storing bones in that catacomb since the 1700s. And was that just, like, an overflow problem? They didn't know what to do with the urban dead, or it was... Yeah, pretty much. Don't forget, too, it was mainly for war as well. And I believe they um they stopped collecting remains, you know, for the deposit around, like, I think, like, the... The late 1800s maybe like 1860s maybe so like it was going on for quite a while a lot of people die every day so okay so 100 plus years of or a hundred ish years of uh paris's dead just being you know sent down there yeah i mean honestly yeah that's very true which is of course kind of like you know stunning in a sense because six million people or bones in that case is a very lot and it fills the whole maze and certain rooms of the catacombs and then, um, you know, re- not recently, but, you know, since, like, they were kind of doing that to begin with, you know, uh, they actually, they started opening up. So the time that you were able to go, you know, um, go inside and, like, look at the bones were around, like, the 1800s, like, 1809. Like, when it was, like, open to the public, we were, we were able to, like, go, you know, go get a uh, reservation and go look at the freaking catacombs. So there's no longer access to them? You, If you wanted to take a look at these... Um... Except for, like, I'm guessing the touristy spots, like, you can't go deep, deep into what it used to be, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, since you're very impatient, I will go to that part right now. <laughs> my, my. With the point that, you know, yes, only a small, a small portion 
of the catacombs are open, which I think is only 186 miles of tunnels is open to the public. That's a small port. How? That's a small portion? Yes, I know. You see, if only you would have waited, you would have known. Besides that, though, so, you know, of course, the catacombs are very big, of course, and they're like you said, you know, that's just, that's not a very small portion, 186 miles. But of course, there's res- like restricted lines that you're not able to like pass. But of course, us being as humans, sometimes we don't like to follow said rules. And sometimes they would go over the restriction line. Once you would go over these restriction lines, like, you know, and this is the weird part, too, about this. Once you would go over the restriction lines, apparently people would be having like some sort of parties, concerts, or even just trying to like, you know, be respectful, you know, just for peace, like be respectful and just maybe like pray for the bones and all that. Which is pretty, you know, um, interesting. Apparently, too, like beyond like these, you know, uh, restriction like locations, people were able to find like, you know, like swimming pools, like secret swimming pools, like underneath like where the catacombs are at, which I find is, is very fucking weird in my opinion. In uh, Okay, so my question would be, is that part of the original like design? Like did the original architects include that for whatever Parisian was wealthy enough or is that something that assholes nowadays they went down there and they did the little impromptu swimming pool I'm pretty sure they did their own thing now because even like if you think about it today um you know there's still like graffiti is down there so oh, okay so people go down there to explore yeah exactly it's kind of like the sense where if you're going to go to abandoned hospital or anywhere abandoned of course this is abandoned but only because it's abandoned doesn't mean that you know you're not going to go fuck with it or anything like that that's why if you go to abandoned places, it's usually either really messed up, graffitied on, trash, and all that, you know? Of course, maybe in a sense, this is a little bit different because these are actual human remains. So, Chris, people try to be maybe and hopefully a little bit more respectful unless they don't want to be, like, haunted. The thing is, I, I can imagine all those bones jumble upon each other. How many fuckers are you going to get haunted by? Some 13 fucking ghosts are going to follow you to your house. That's not a, it's not an ideal move at any point in time. Exactly. Before I do continue talking about what I do have, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit what I do know before I even, we did research more about the catacombs. And that's the fact that, um, I remember there was a story about a man who got lost in the catacombs, quote unquote, lost in the catacombs because they were never able to find a man. The only thing they were able to find was that people were going, you know, because of course you have tours down there. So the tours, you have to follow them and you're actually going to get lost because it's, it's a maze down there. So on this tour, they found a camera recorder. So of course they checked on it and it was it was, this, it was of this man running away from something. And he was like very afraid. The camera was like moving around and all that. And all of a sudden, people say in the, in the um, recording that you could hear noises of like faint, like whispers and all that. And even in the shots of recording, you would see like symbols in some of the walls and all that. So people thought that like, you know, this man was possibly being chased by something unliving. And then at the end, he just drops the camera and you just hear his footsteps deceding or receding, my bad. And that's how it ends. And they've never found the man. But of course, you know, you should take this maybe with a little bit of grain of salt because it could probably be fake. But the fact is that since they never really found the person that where this camera came from, a lot of people are kind of like 50-50. That would, that would be a hell of an elaborate hoax. Like, I could definitely see how it's possible that someone went through that trouble. But at the same time, I'm going to choose to believe that, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna choose the fun explanation that, well, fun, quote-unquote, for us. Yeah, that's true. But the, the more interesting explanation that maybe there, there was something down there underground, you know, 
the the underworld has always been represented as being below us you know the gates of hell are always beneath our feet so maybe these catacombs are kind of a portal to hell or to whatever other you know nefarious dimension lies beyond our own understanding yeah and you're probably right too and it's kind of like what you were saying earlier was about that movie they made i believe it was called as above so below yeah that was the one i was thinking yeah you know it's kind of sounds like that of course that movie is only real and at the sense that the catacombs are real but of course like the things that happen down there maybe they could be real and maybe they're not i don't know of course for some you know how people say everyone has their own demons and of course in that movie i believe they were like you know um battling against their own personal demons so, I mean, who knows? Maybe if we both went down there in the catacombs, we'll probably be both seeing different things. I wouldn't know. What would, what would your... Well, let's get personal for just a second here. What would, what would your demon be? Um, Big anime babies running after me. It looks like we have the same demons, folks. It looks like we're haunted by the same nightmares. Exactly. Okay, but look, we're kind of digressing. Let me get back to the point before I continue my story. It's the fact that, you know, would you believe me if I said that you could possibly go to a website... And you're able to look inside the catacombs. I, it sounds plausible, but I would not believe you just because you're an untrustworthy coworker and human being. Okay. Continue anyway, though. Uh, besides that, you're completely wrong. And, and in this sense, I'm 100% correct. Because there is a website that you could go to, which I'm not going to give the name. But I'm, there's a website where, that you could go to where someone planted a live streaming camera in the catacombs. And some people know this about this camera to the point where, you know, sometimes if you're watching it, they say that you could see people walking. And sometimes people say that you could probably see unliving things slash orbs walking around that trail, too. All right. Well, thank you, Daniel, for maybe the biggest cock tease that this show has ever offered. But uh, don't worry, listeners. Uh, me and my buddy Daniel are going to have a hell of a time watching that live stream uh you losers have a good time trying to find it i know right oh another interesting fact too is that if you go to google maps and if you go to the catacombs you could actually look at the catacombs via google map you know how you could like drop that little person and go to like street view so they have street view for the catacombs yeah which is actually a, like a little fun fact about that so for broke people like uh yourself and myself uh that were cart leads over at schmargett we don't have to buy the $700 ticket to you oh, know, the City not. of Lights. We can, just, we can hop on our $200 HP fucking, you know, little stupid, uh, what is this? What is this? Um, uh, um, a Chromebook. We can hop on our little $200 Chromebook and fucking uh, see the Catacombs of Paris without having to, you know, um, enjoy any of the fine arts and culture and beautiful women that Paris has to offer. We could do it from the comfort of our own, you know, sad, lonely basements. Yeah, you're honestly right. Sounds like a wonderful afternoon to me. But, you know, um, digressing from that fun fact that I just told you about the Google, you know, little drop thing is that, you know, in 2017, two teenagers got lost for three days in the catacombs, which I know we were kind of making it seem like the catacombs are really fun, but they're not. No, they're very serious. Okay. Two teenagers got lost, so you got to show some sort of respect. Those teenagers should have shown the respect. Is okay. The thing. They're I not dead, so home. let me continue. So, you know, they actually did find them because a, a rescue dog was able to locate them. People believe that the teenagers, or, you know, it's this, this is, um, from what I was reading, they say people believe, so I don't even think it came from the teenagers. But people believe that these two teenagers were able to get lost in the catacombs because... Something was luring them in. And spe specifically, they're saying that, of course, these are voices from spirits taunting the boys to come in closer 
to the point where they get lost, which, of course, did happen to the boys, which I don't know if that's 100 percent accurate, because, of course, some um, the boys didn't say that this happened. People are just speculating that this is what this is what happened, because, you know, how for catacombs, there is like a tour area. So the only time you would ever get lost is if you either diverge from that tour or if you just go on your willy willy bean you know what i mean your well-being just gonna like i'm just gonna go and get lost uh, you choose to be a cool guy and say yeah. fuck the tour exactly well okay well i'm i'm gonna say this i'm gonna preface it by uh by saying if that was indeed the case that they were lured in by these spirits then uh kudos to those two young men um no disrespect uh that being said when have you heard of a frenchman voluntarily walking towards danger um, as far as I'm concerned, they're cheese-eating surrender monkeys, and um, they would never take such a risk. So that's highly implausible to me. Uh, I doubt they would ever follow a ghost. Um, maybe maybe they'd follow a white flag, but um, I don't know about a ghost. Okay, so, you know, going back to the topic, you know, of course, these two teenager boys, they're kind of lucky, you could say, to make it out alive. But not everyone is very lucky to make it out. So around like 19, oh, sorry. So around 1793, you know, there was around the French Revolution, there was this man named, I, th- I believe, Philbert Esprit, and he was a doorkeeper at a hospital that was near the catacombs. So, you know, I believe around this hospital, he ventured into like the catacombs via a staircase that was in their courtyard. But the sad thing about him is that his body was never discovered until 11 years later. So he got lost and no one heard of him or no one heard of him or found him until 11 years later, which, of course, are his remains. And is there any um, surrounding maybe uh, myths that he was um, lured like these two uh, teenagers purportedly were like in? No, maybe because like if if, that's interesting, if, if there's perhaps a pattern of voices or images kind of beckoning you to go deeper and, you know, you go along with it, and next thing you know, fucking you took a right, and you thought you made a left, and there's really no way. They're labyrinths, as you said. There's mm-hmm. no way of getting out once you're deep inside. Yeah, and you're honestly right, and I don't have the question to that, which I apologize for. But, you know, with a much respect I could give, of course, for anyone who has died in the catacombs, it's just that hopefully their spirits are, you know, in peace in some sort of shape or form. But besides that, you know, that's going to we're all kind of out. We're all out of time. And I'm going to be passing it to Noah to give you guys a little bit more information. Oh, all right, Daniel. Thank you. Um, those are great stories. They just make me a little sad that um, no one in this room can afford airfare and actually go to all those beautiful places uh, we, we just mentioned. Um, but yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to our listeners. If you want to if you want to fund a little soiree over in Gettysburg, Paris or uh edinburgh uh with that being said you guys know my usual shtick uh we're always looking for scary stories if you guys are creative writers and you guys write spooky stories then we'd love to hear those if something scary happened to you or to a member of your family or a friend we'd also love to hear those true stories send them on over to the streetlights are on at yahoo.com you're going to spell that exactly how it sounds the streetlights are on at yahoo.com uh send us a story and a way to contact you guys we'll do our best to include it on the show um with that being said let's um you know let's take in the beautiful night air of paris after all the street lights are on and we have places to be have a good one folks